pray together. Lord, let your word be my delight. In your commands, I will rejoice. Let your glory be my aim, your holy will my choice. Let your promises be my hope, your providence my guard, your arm my strong support, and yourself my great reward. A couple verses from Acts chapter 4 as you remain standing. In verse 23 it says this, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This is the word of the Lord to us. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, go ahead and take your seat. This morning, I'm going to deviate a little bit from the, from the book of John, the Gospel of John. We're going to be back there as we get closer to Easter, but I just, I, I, I've been... I've been, something has been stirring in my heart, let me say it that way, when it comes to prayer. And, and we see these verses in Acts chapter 4, and obviously they're, they're, the, the church is praying. And then there's something beautiful that happens as a result. And the Holy Spirit shows up and shakes the place. And I just, I don't know. There's something about that that draws me, that pulls me. That says, man, there's, there, there's, there's power from God, there's power in God that maybe we don't always tap into. Maybe, and I say this a little bit tongue-in-cheek, maybe God is more powerful than we let him be. Maybe God is more powerful than we actually think. Maybe God can actually do more in us and through us and for us than we could ever imagine. So as we read these verses in, in Acts chapter 4, we see we see something. We see what the church prays. We see who they pray for. And we see why they pray. And I think there's such a, a, a template there that, that we can use and begin to apply to our own lives and our own situations. So let's begin. So we're going to teach on prayer. And I'm not sure if I'm going to continue next Sunday or not, but I have a leaning that I may, I may continue with prayer next Sunday. But we'll see where next Sunday leads us. Let me say this about prayer. Prayer in its most basic, foundational, fundamental form is this. Our belief that God can intervene in our situation. That's prayer. It, it, there, you, there's a whole bunch more the Bible has to say about it, but that's the foundation of it. So you believe God has the power to intervene in your situation. Because if we didn't believe that, guess what? 
we won't pray. It's just, we don't think, he, we, don't think we need to pray. And as I said today, when I gave you my confession, well, my confession is actually a lack of faith. Now, when you remember what I confessed to you, that actually demonstrates a lack of faith. Because prayer is belief in God's ability to intervene in your, my, or anyone's circumstance. So when I say, I prayed and then I take it back. I prayed and then, no, 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 Randy's got the wisdom, Randy's got the strength, Randy can make it happen. Am I actually trusting God? No, I'm actually trusting me. Now, I don't think I'm alone in that confession. I think that's where you and I find ourselves quite often. We pray about things. We're sincere when we pray. But the moment we, we pray, we, we, we stand up or we, we, we pull ourselves back together and we walk away with the same burden that we came to prayer with. Instead of saying, no, no, I'm trusting God to do something. And you see something in Acts chapter 4. It's like the most perfect, beautiful sandwich. How many people like sandwiches? Five of you like sandwiches. The rest of you are not sure about sandwiches. Come on, who likes a good sandwich? Do you know what makes a good sandwich? Totally side note here. You know what makes a great sandwich? The bread. You got to have a good bread to have a good sandwich. And this Acts chapter 4 is the perfect sandwich. You know why? It begins with God. Our, us and our need are smushed in the middle, and then God is on the back end. So as we go through this today, I want you to think about this as like a sandwich today. So my message is like a sandwich today for us, okay? And, and I just, I, I have to say this because this is so beautiful. Acts chapter 23, let's begin there. Uh, sorry, Acts 4, verse 23. So on the release, now what were they released from? Peter and John had just been a part of seeing this, this lame beggar healed. This guy was a beggar his whole life. They bring in his parents. They interview his parents. They say, this man is faking. He wasn't actually healed. It was, he, it was, he was faking all along. And his parents are like, well, as far as we know, he was lame from birth. And then the parents get nervous. They say, well, ask him. He's of age. He can answer for himself. So he says, listen, I was a beggar. Peter and John came by. Boom, power of God hit me, and now, I, now, I'm, not, now I'm not lame anymore. So Peter and John get arrested by the high priest, by the Sanhedrin, for this miracle. And they want to intervene because the miracle draws attention. Do you remember what a miracle is? Miracles are signs. They're posts. They're signposts. They point to something. So when this miracle happens, now, now the, 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 the Jewish community is getting nervous again. They say, oh, I thought we already dealt with this Jesus guy. We crucified him. He's, he's no longer the problem. Uh-oh. Now his followers are doing the same thing. So they got this big problem they have to try to solve. So their solution is to intimidate Peter and John. So they take them, imprison them, threaten them, say, don't you guys speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And, and if you read a little bit earlier in chapter 4, Peter says, well, listen, do what you must, but we have to speak about Jesus. And then they finally release them with more threats. And the first thing they do upon their release is, look at this, verse 23. On their release... Peter and John go back to their own people. Just say that. Say that out loud. Say their own people. Isn't that beautiful? They run back to the church. That's where they go. They didn't run and say, oh, let's go hide ourselves. 
No, they go back to the place where they find safety, where they find community, where they, where they say, no, no, this is what God is doing. Last Sunday I talked about this, God building a new covenant community. And we looked at John chapter 12. So Peter and John go back to that community. They go back. See, this is what church is to us, friends. It's the place we celebrate and the place we mourn. It sounds funny to say church is the place we mourn, but that's what church is supposed to be. Church is the place where we bring our need. And we say, listen, I don't know what to do, but I got this need. And we bring that to the church. But the church is also the place where we come and say, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you this amazing good thing. And we celebrate together. So church is this, is this beautiful picture of life. Church is not this picture of something perfect. No, a perfect church is imperfect. A perfect church is a church that's full of need, full of love, full of the power of God, full of compassion for one another, full of knowing one another, but full of trusting God together. So that's the first thing they do is they run back. So on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Now look at this in verse 24. So we begin in verse 24 our teaching on prayer. So here's what we see in verse 24. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Who is the they? It's the church. So it's not just Peter and John. Peter and John are the one who came with the story. So it can't be Peter and John just praying. No, no, what happened is Peter and John told the church their, their need, told the church what happened, and the first thing the church does is pray together. Friends, there is something powerful. Listen, I, I don't know how else to say this, so I'm just going to say it, and then we're, hopefully it's going to sink in at some point. God has given the church the power to pray for one another. If you really want to see change in the situation in your life, if you really want to see the hand of God, I promise you this, bring your prayer to the church. Bring it to community. Bring it to the place where God has given his power. This is what God has died for, friends. The Bible says God died so we could have the church. He left and he said, hold on, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's going to be center in the church. So the presence, the power of God rests in us, the church, us, the people. And when I say church, I don't mean a building at number one Lakeshore Road. This is a building. We are the church. So the church are the people who love each other, care for one another, carry a burden, pray for a situation, pray for a need, consider one another better than themselves. That's the church. Amen? And when you have that need, something powerful happens when you bring it to the church. So verse 24, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. And here's what they said. They said, Sovereign Lord. Isn't it powerful? He stops off, he says, Sovereign Lord. Well, what does sovereign mean? Sovereign means this, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-wisdom, all-understanding. Now think about how they started to pray. Remember I said, this message is like a perfect sandwich. So what do they begin with? They begin with what we call, wow. See, whenever you begin to pray, begin to be wowed by God. 
Let yourself be wowed. First, before you bring your need to God, let yourself be wowed by God. So look what they say. They say, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. So what is, what is the church doing? They're actually building faith into their hearts right now. They're saying, God, we have this need. And we have the, we're under persecution. That's, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But right now we want to be wowed by you. Friends, the template, the, 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 the template the church uses is to first be wowed. Remind yourself how amazing God is. And when you do that, I promise you the fruit of that will be faith in your heart. Peace in your heart. Something will rise up in your heart that you can't explain. So you will be, wow, God, you're sovereign. You're above this. Do you remember, I've, I've said this numerous times in church. You know, if you make the sign of the cross, don't, 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 don't treat that all religious. No, 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 no. Say this, say, God, you're above everything. You're superior. You're bigger than my intellect. You're bigger than all I know. You're greater than what I think. There's no one who's better than you, God. You are the greatest. So remind yourself of being wowed by God. So we see this as a, that, that this is the first fruit, to be wowed. So, and they begin to look at this, and they raise their voice together. And I love that the community raises their voices together. And what are the first thing they say? You're sovereign. The church reminds themselves of who God is. So when you're in prayer... Remind yourself first and foremost of who God is. And remember that he is this. He is power and love. He's not just power, friends, but he's power and love. And if we don't, if we don't remember that, we, we will we'll forget. And we will be, we'll become sort of this condition of, of, will God answer my prayer? Because the question is, will God answer my prayer kind of hints itself to this. Am I worthy of God answering my prayer? Do I deserve God answering my prayer? See, we have to be reminded of the gospel. We have to be reminded of the cross. And we say, God loves people. Amen? So God answers our prayer. Why? Because he is good. So the church reminds itself that God is sovereign. Verse 25 says this, in Acts chapter 4, and there's, this is the church still praying. He says, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our, our father David. Why do the nations raise and the people's plot in vain? So God knows what's coming. So here's, here's what's happening. So they're quoting, they're quoting scripture. They're quoting something. And here's the thing we should take encouragement in. I'm going to read this verse again in verse 25. It says this. It says, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant. Some translations say the mouth of your prophet David, our, our father David. It says, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord, against his anointed one. So what is the church reminding themselves of? God knows their situation. God knows it. So let that, let that little truth sink in. When you're going to prayer, God, I'm wowed by you. The next thing we think 
God, you know my situation. I may be surprised by this. I may be shocked by it. I may not understand it. I may not like it or not want it, but you knew it was coming. That's what, that's what, that's what the church is reminding us here. Saying, it's saying our father, the prophet David, he knew. He foresaw this. He knew that, that people would want to crucify the Lord. He saw this all coming. God sees your situation. And here's the beauty. God sees what's coming into our life next month and next year and 10 years from now. Rest in that. Rest in that. Be, be at peace in that, that God knows what's coming. And, and, God, is at, and God is a good God. Rest in this all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, one of my favorite verses. I say that often, but this is truly one of my favorite verses. Romans 8, 28 says this. And we know that in all things, and that word know isn't kind of like, yeah, I sort of know. That word know is an intimacy. It's like you know something so deeply that it's just, it, it's, it's, a, it's a solid foundation for us. So this is what Paul's saying. And we know that in all things, everybody say all things. Say it one more time, all things. Do you know why I say, I, I have a say all things? Because sometimes it's so easy to forget that God is in the bad. Come on now. I, I said God's in the bad. It just says God is in all things. Don't buy the lie that God is only in the what you think is good. Friends, God is so powerful. God is so awesome. He can take the worst thing you're going through and turn it for good. That's what we're going to see. So we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. So God is working for our good. So listen, what the enemy might bring into your life to try to destroy your life has nothing on God. Let me tell you something. Let me, let me tell you the absolute truth of this. The enemy is a pawn in the hand of God. That is the truth. The enemy has no power. The enemy is a pawn in the hand of God. And what the enemy tries to bring into your life to destroy you, hurt you, embarrass you, listen, God will take that and say, yeah, yeah, that's nice, that's good. But I'm going to use that to lift them up. I'm going to use that for their good. That's how powerful our God is. So we don't have to be afraid of the enemy. No, no, the enemy is under God's feet. The Bible says the enemy is under our feet. So celebrate the fact that God is powerful. And whatever's going on in your life today, friends, whatever, I say this again, whatever's going on in your life, God is working it for your good right now. Right now. Not, not next week, right now, God is working things together in your life, knitting it together because he cares for you so much, he knows how many hair are on your head. Come on. He knows, and he's working it for good. You and I may not see it. We sometimes just see the result. We just get to see the fruit. But know this, God is at work right now on your behalf. Amen? Right now. He's talking to people to help you. He's working people's thoughts. He's putting things together for your good and for your betterment. That's the hope we have. Look at, I told you this, this prayer is like this beautiful, perfect sandwich. 
begin with God. Be reminded of God. Whatever the circumstances you find yourself in today, God is working for your good. Amen? So the first thing we begin with is, wow, God is awesome. God is sovereign. God is working all this for good. Point number two today, we only have three points, is ouch. Everybody say ouch. So here we see the ouch part. Verses 27 and 28. So here's what happened. Look at the template. They come back to their community. They remind themselves how awesome God is. They're wowed by God. Then verse 27, they bring the need, the ouch. It says, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. And then look at this in verse 28. Look at this. Now, this would take me a while to work through theologically, but let, let me just throw this to you. Read it for what it is. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Friends, God is sovereign. You think you're dealing with some miserable person? No. You're not just dealing with some miserable person. You're dealing with God through that miserable person. You think God's unaware of that miserable person in your life? No. God's complete, completely aware that your boss is a so-and-so. But we'll leave that alone because most bosses are nice. Because God's aware. Rest in that. They did what your power and will has decided beforehand should happen. Why? Because God is working all things together for good. This is the power of this. So what are they beginning to do? They're bringing their ouch. They're bringing their hurt. They're bringing their pain. They're bringing their need to God. Verse 28, verse 29. Oh, we'll stay there. So we've, we're reminded of this. We remind ourselves how amazing God is, and then we bring our need to God. So I say this. What is your ouch? What is, what is the thing in your life that's the need? And can I say this? <laughs> this is going to sound funny, but if you've had answers to prayers in your life, you'll know this to be true. Have you ever noticed the prayers that most often seem to be answered in your life are the ones that seemed so difficult to be answered? Like, for example, I have a cold. I've prayed about the cold. I still have the cold. But I'll survive. It's a cold. There were times in my life where God had to intervene, and God intervened. There were times in my life where God had to show up, and God showed up. Amen? There are times in my life where God made a way financially for our, for, for our lives that, that he just, he did. I can't take any credit for that. Let me say this. Be bold in your requests to God. Be bold. Stop, stop playing around. Honestly, stop, stop just asking for a little bit for you. Come on, start to ask and say, God, let me be a blessing. Let, let me be a river of blessing to people. God, give me something so I can actually be a blessing to someone else. 
Begin to think bigger than you and watch God show up. Begin to think beyond your own little world. Be bold in your prayers. Be bold. And watch God. Because you know what happens when you have bold prayers? Either God shows up or nothing happens. In that deep. But you want to see God show up? Be bold. Because trust me, you can pray for your cold, and then you can take some medicine, and then you can say, oh, well, I feel pretty good. Until six hours later and the medicine wears off. And I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for the cold. Mark prayed for me this morning. I'm feeling quite healthy right now. Strong and invigorated. So we should pray for those things. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray. But don't let your prayer life be consumed with small things. Listen, have the courage to pray something so big, something so bold, something so awesome that, friends, only God can make it happen. And then guess what? Guess who gets the glory? Then God will actually get the glory. And we won't say, oh, Gina's so awesome. She prayed for my cold. No. We can say, God is so awesome. He showed up and did something that was impossible for anyone to do. I have a friend, Magnus Pearson. He has a friend in New York City. John Tyson has a church in New York City. And uh, they've been praying for years for a facility in New York City. Does anyone understand the property values in New York City? So here's a church trying to reach people, trying to make disciples, but have a dream. And their dream is this. They say, God, we want to have a facility, a place, a building where we can actually bring people in and disciple them for a year or two. So we need a place where we can live, we can meet, we can do church. So basically they need an apartment building. They've been praying like this for 10 years. Last year, God gave them a $16 million apartment building. <laughs> but how many of us have the courage to pray something like that? How many of us understand that that is a prayer that's so big, so bad, so bold, that either God shows up and does it or nothing happens? So who gets the glory? So he's running around telling people, he tells me, listen what God did. Let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you how God answered our prayer. Let me tell you. So who gets the glory? When something that big shows up, friends, only God gets the glory, and that's where the glory should go. On our doors at Port Church, what does it say? It says, by God's grace, for God's glory. Every day when you walk into church, that's what you see. Why did we put that on our doors? Because that's what we believe how life as a Christian should be. By God's grace, I'm here today. By God's grace, I'm still breathing. God, by God's grace, I'm still living. By God's grace, there's a plan on your life. By God's grace, there's purpose in your, in your family. By God's grace, he gives you everything you need to succeed. For his glory, friends. Not for your glory. Not for my glory. For his glory. So we can point to him and say, that's him who's do doing this. I didn't do it. God did it. By his grace for his glory. Amen? I don't want the glory. You don't want the glory. You know why? We can't handle the glory. You, men, men and women are not made to handle the glory, friends. It, we, it's not us. Do you know what glory does to us? It screws us up royally. Is that too harsh? Can I say that in church? <laughs> it messes us up. I've seen this. 
I had the, I had the opportunity to play professional football. I, 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 I know so many people who played in the NFL who were paid millions of dollars. And do you know what those millions of dollars did for them? Ruined their lives. They're broke. They're in debt. It's sad. Why? We cannot handle glory. So when you find this, when you find this happening to you, you have a moment of success. You have a moment of triumph. And everyone wants to say, oh, look at Gerhard. Look how awesome he is. See, initially you say, yeah, yeah. No, no, resist that, friends. We're not made for it. Immediately say, no, 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 that's God. No, 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 I don't want that. That's God. God gets the glory. God made a way. God did something awesome. This is what we find the church doing. They say, God is amazing. God is awesome. God is good. So who gets the glory? Who gets the glory in your life? When God answers prayers, who gets the glory? Who should get the glory? He should get the glory. We can't handle the glory. All right, last point, and I finish because I'm almost done. So we said, wow, be wowed by God. The first thing we need to do when we come to prayer is remind ourselves he is awesome, he is sovereign. Second thing, bring your ouch. Bring the thing you want prayer about. The third thing, we say help. Let's pick this up in verse 29 as we conclude this morning. Verse 29 says this. Now, Lord, this is the church praying again. They say, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Do you know the result of prayer? Boldness. Confidence, assurance, rest, peace, an anchor for your soul. That's the fruit of prayer. So you notice what the church does. The sandwich, God is awesome. Here's my need. God, if you don't show up, nothing's going to happen. So they they. they, they bookend their prayer with God. And they just sandwich them little selves in the middle. Say, God is sovereign and awesome. God is over here helping. Watch what happens. They say, now, Lord, consider their hearts and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31, here's the other slice of bread. After they prayed, the place they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. Friends, how do we pray? Remind ourselves God is awesome. Be wowed by God. Bring your ouch to Him and, and remind yourself He is there to help. He's good. He's awesome. He's the one who can make a way. So let him stretch out his hand. Let him be the answer to our prayer. How bold can you be today with your prayer life? How bold? I want to end, end with that question for us. Because I think there's some bold people here. I think there's some people here, God's been speaking to you about something bold. Bold. 
and you've been resisting that, be bold. Be bold. Friends, there's things inside of people in Port Church that are so big that, 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 that we get worried that it may not happen. That's the whole point. Let it be God. Do you have the courage today to pray a prayer so big that it scares you? Do you have the courage today to pray a prayer so big that you know if God doesn't answer it, it's hopeless? It's the strangest thing. In that moment, you'll find rest. In that moment, you'll find peace. See, this makes no sense. But God, here it is. See, I believe there's people in this church, God has put a dream in your heart years ago. And some of you are on the verge of letting it go. Because you can't, you can't actually see how God could do it. They don't ask God how. How God does something, friends, is none of our business. Come on, I'm not in the business of trying to figure out how God does something. I'm in the business of trusting Him. Resting on Him. Hoping in Him. Looking to Him. Being reminded of Him. Faith rises. That's how faith rises. The Bible says faith comes by hearing the Word. So as they heard the word, said, God is sovereign. He's the creator of heaven and earth and all the seas and everything that's in the sea. That's the word. Faith rises. Faith rises. What, what's rising in your heart right now? What, what, what do you have faith for right now? What in your life needs to change? What? Let faith rise up right now. Bow your head, close your eyes. Bring that to God right now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for this beautiful picture of this delicious prayer sandwich where we are wowed by you. We are wowed by your sovereignty. We are wowed by your majesty. We are wowed by your ability and your strength. And we are reminded, Lord, that you are the creator of all things. Father, here's our need. Here's our bold need. Go ahead now, in your mind, in your heart, give the biggest, boldest prayer right now you can, you can fathom. Maybe it's that, that person in your family or a friend who you've almost given up on to receive Christ. Lay it before him. Maybe it's a financial need in your life. Maybe it's a physical need in your life. Maybe it's a social need in your life. Maybe it's a spiritual need in your life where you've grown cold to the things of God. Maybe you're on the verge of walking away from God and saying this whole, thing's, this whole thing doesn't exist. God's not real. Maybe you're there. Give that to Him. Let God reveal Himself. Father, we lift up every one of these needs to you. And Lord, we say, you are our help. Father, let your arm be strong on our behalf. And our commitment to you is this, Lord. You will get the glory. We will point to you. We will celebrate you. 
We, we will remind people it was you. When people try to point the finger at us and give us the glory and tell people how awesome we are, Lord God, may we deflect that every time to you. May we deflect it to you. That's our commitment. By your grace, these prayer requests are going to be answered. For your glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.